listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast again today. Ted Shuttlesworth right here in rainy, cold Norwood, North Carolina. Where is that, you might ask? That's about an hour and a half outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm sitting here ready to go. Got a grapefruit, LaCroix, pample mousse, as it says on the can. Yes, ready to rock. Got a good one for you today. As you saw from the title, many of you listen to the podcast know how much I love food. And I thought, why not do something about Chick-fil-A, one of my favorite places. Actually, I was thinking about these principles. I was looking at some statistics that were blowing my mind. um, And I thought, you know, what is it that's causing Chick-fil-A to blow up? like it is. We're going to talk about that today, how these can be applied directly to your life, your ministry, your business, whatever you're doing. These are four keys that are going to send you to the top without question. I'll show you from the scripture. And uh, it's exciting to know that they will work for you. And this is something that, you know, it's, it's interesting to me how when many times, even if you go to Barnes and Noble and you look at these books, you know, that are on the bestseller list, uh, in the business section and you start to flip through the books and you're like, man, this is stuff, you know, if, if you're a Christian, you can look and say, man, these are biblical principles. These guys aren't even giving credit to God or the Bible, but you know, these principles that they, they say are great business principles are actually just business principles from the Bible, things that are found in the book of Proverbs and throughout scripture. And one thing you'll find is that when God has set up a system, he always honors his system. And uh, I'm going to get into this with you today. Don't forget, it's Monday, by the way, and uh, Monday Music Mashups available on Spotify and Apple Music. Today's a fun one. You know, I grew up in the 90s as a teenager, and we did not have a lot of great Christian music (laughs) to listen to in the 90s. So what we did have, we played it out. So I put together a, last week was a 90s worship playlist from um, Monday Music Mashup. This week, it's the 90s pop you know, only things we could listen to as Christians in the 90s. For those of you that are listening, I know many of you are sad. There's no Carmen on the list. Carmen missed the list, unfortunately. But we got some good ones, some staples, Audio Adrenaline, Newsboys, Orange County Supertones, Five Iron Frenzy, DC Talk, no question. And then a couple outliers that you may have never listened to, but I did. T-Bone, the rapper. I think he was part of Cypress Hill, got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. He was still pretty violent, although he shifted his violence towards demons. <laughs> and then the gospel gangsters with a Z. You'll love it. Check it out. I know it'll uh, it'll bless you. If you have any suggestions, write them in. Things you want to hear, themed playlists that you want to hear. I had somebody write in today, said, do you have any Christmas-themed Monday music mashup. We're getting closer. I will be putting one out. Also, before we jump in, let me say this. Uh, We've got Southeast Worship Summit 2019 that's coming up next year, and you guys are not going to want to miss it. 18 free sessions in sunny South Florida. Myself, Minister Jenya Jackson, her husband, Minister Reese Jackson. It's going to be killer. Last year was our first one and we were so happy. It was it was amazing. I'm telling you, I was blown away and I'm so excited. we got a live album we're going to be recording on the Friday night of conference, so you're going to want to be there. Check it out, southeastworship.com. All the details are there, answers to frequently asked questions, suggested airports, hotels. We're going to give you places to eat. It's a cool place to be, especially in the early spring, who doesn't want to be in 90-degree, beautiful South Florida? So join us, Southeast Worship Summit 2019. It's going to be killer. All right, let's jump in today. Four explosive growth hacks you can steal from Chick-fil-A. I was, And here's the thing. In the description of the podcast, too, I'm going to link 
um, to this article I was looking over. It blew my mind. I had heard rumblings about this from talking to other people and just kind of, you know, hearsay. I wanted to make sure the facts were accurate because, you know, Chick-fil-A, I guess, um, you know, the way we think about it, you'd think, man, they're, they're kind of new to the game as far as uh, being a fast food chain. We always think of McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's and all that. I guess they were founded relatively, you know, early, you know, 1967 is when they were founded as a restaurant. But, um, you know, I feel like they're just kind of rising to prominence within the last, you know, 15, 20 years because I hadn't heard of them before then. But um, they're blowing up now. And it's obviously, you know, people up north are like, please, can we get Chick-fil-A? You know, I know there's a lot of places we travel up north. It's frustrating. You can't go to Chick-fil-A. In the south, they're everywhere. They're awesome. People like that travel down from the north. It's like they've come to the promised land. You know, it's like they're eating manna for the first time when they taste Chick-fil-A. And it's funny to me when every time, the time you want Chick-fil-A the most is when you leave church on Sunday and then you're like, oh, I'm going to go get Chick-fil-A. And then you remember they're closed every single Sunday. Chick-fil-A is killing it. And I and I wanted to know like just how much, you know, because it, I'd heard these rumors that they're out selling, you know, places even like McDonald's. And I was like, man, that can't be true. There's way more McDonald's than there are Chick-fil-A's. And, um, uh, I was like, man, we, we got to figure this out. But, you know, obviously they're considered a Christian company, um, closed on Sundays in honor of the Lord's day, all these different things, you know, we know, uh, how polite they are and all this stuff. But I, I wanted to say, how big are they really doing it as far as like, are they really blowing other places away? And so I looked at this report that came out, um, by QSR and I'm going to link this article in the description of the podcast, but, um, I want to say, man, how much money are they really making? And to my surprise, uh, it kind of blew my mind when I looked at it because they are. They are outselling even McDonald's uh, and, and Burger King and all these other uh, Wendy's and all these other places, even Panera Bread, which I, I, I was thinking just straight up drive through fast food, uh, blowing them away. And store for store, let me, let me give you, I'll give you the statistic here, store for store. They are the number one selling fast food chain in the world. Number one. I mean, think about this. More than McDonald's, more than, I'm just going to read you the list here. And you you know these places. More than Whataburger, Panera Bread, Jason's Deli, McDonald's, Zaxby's, Culver's, El Pollo Loco, In-N-Out Burger, Steak and Shake, Chipotle, all of these. I mean, like Panda Express, Jack in the Box, Taco Bell. Uh, that which is dear to my heart, by the way, as you know, dear to my heart. Popeye's Chicken, Wendy's, White Castle, Burger King, Del Taco, Sonic, all of them. They are at the top of the list. And I guess, you know, who would be their next closest competitor in the chicken world? KFC? I guess KFC would be. Look at the, let me look at it here. They are selling four times more per store than KFC. Four times more. Unbelievable. So no one's even close to them, by the way. Let me just say, uh, <laughs> that's insane. Nobody's even close to Chick-fil-A. They're at the top of the list with, uh, this is units in thousands, by the way, 4407. The next closest is Whataburger at 2706. And that's units per thousands per store. No one's even close. And and that, that also made me think about, about this because... Obviously, they're doing something right to be crushing it, outselling everybody else in the market, like way outselling them, way outselling them. And I started to think to myself, well, that man, what's even more impressive than the fact that they're outselling everybody is that they're doing it in only six days a week versus seven days a week. They're like taking a day off and still crushing everybody else in the market by far. And let me go a step further than that. And I don't think I've ever, in all my travels, I don't think I've ever seen a Chick-fil-A that's 24 hours. I mean, there's tons of McDonald's that are 24, Taco Bell, obviously, there's many of those that are 24 hours. I've never seen a 24-hour Chick-fil-A, which means all these other places have much more time to sell and they can't even come close to 
not outselling, to even reach the mark that Chick-fil-A is hitting consistently. So something's going on right at Chick-fil-A. And actually, I'm going to deal with four of those things today. And these are not things that just work for them without question. These are biblical principles that can be applied to your life, to your ministry, to your business that will cause you to see explosive growth as well. And I'm going to show you this because without question, God instituted these things. And because he did, God's principles always work. The word of God always works. The word of God has performance power. And when it's applied in your life and in your ministry and in your business, it will cause you to rise to the top. I like how Bishop Oyedepo always says it. There's room at the top if you're interested. There's room at the top if you're interested. And you don't ever get to the top by accident. Nobody excels and is promoted by accident. It's always by dedication. And, and, you know, there's a lot of different opinions about this, but I'm just going to be honest with you. The Bible teaches that it is your dedication, your diligence that causes you to be promoted. It is not your gift. Your gift will bring you before great men. But one thing that will keep you there is your diligence. And in fact, your gift requires diligence, by the way. So let me just say this. For every person that's listening and you think that there's like this mutually exclusive, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a section where it's only gift based, you know, my gift is, you know, and then there's the section like only diligence based or dedication based. No, if God has given you a gift, he has also given you the responsibility to increase your gift by dedication. That's why the Bible has verses like this one study to show yourself approved a work a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth so obviously you know that god gave you a gift to be a workman and called you to be a worker in the ministry but in order to increase your level you've got to study to show yourself approved that means you can be a worker with a gift and a calling and be disapproved by not dedicating yourself to your gift your gift has to be prioritized in your life and you've got to dedicate yourself to it. Diligence, faithfulness. So I want to jump into these four things with you that you can steal from Chick-fil-A that are explosive growth hacks that put them, I believe, where they are today. And I know that when I start naming them, you'll know what I mean by that because we've all seen this about it. Um, Number one, especially if you're taking notes, you need to write these down and never forget it. Number one, consistency. Consistency is so key. What are we talking about? Faithfulness. Consistency and faithfulness. You know, let me give you an interesting fact here. If you decide to franchise a Chick-fil-A, it's very cheap to do. You can actually do it for $10,000 and have your own Chick-fil-A location that they do all the construction, they build it, they send in all the product, all the training, all that, and all you're required to pay is $10,000. However, it's obviously extremely competitive to get them to approve that. I think they have like 20,000 applications a year and they only do like 75 or 85 locations a year. So huge competitive, uh, um, you know, ground there in order to get a franchise. But here's an interesting fact. Listen to this. If you are somebody who gets a franchise from Chick-fil-A, they will only allow you to operate one location or one franchise. They do not allow you to be the owner of three franchises or five franchises. You can have one. And the reason for that, obviously, is to engender quality, to make sure that you're focusing every bit of your attention and your dedication and your faithfulness on that one location and making sure that it holds up to the bar that Chick-fil-A expects from its stores and its each one of its sites. And I can tell you from experience because I travel a ton, as you know. And, you know, many times when you're on the road and you're trying to get where you're going, you'll stop quickly to get, you know, food or whatever. And over the years, and I'm talking about all 30 some years that I've traveled. I mean, I've been on the road full time since I was two weeks old with my parents. I have been to many locations of many fast food places. And you know this as well as I do. Uh, Many of them have gone downhill. And it's interesting that even like McDonald's, they are so inconsistent 
It's insane. I've talked to my cousin about this and others. You could go to one McDonald's and everything be good. The fries be good, hot, fresh, the the food be good. You could go to another one. Everything's horrible, like through the floor horrible. The service is horrible. The food, you know, cold and sloppily put together and they get your order wrong. You got to wait for 30 minutes. You know, just horrible. You never know what you're going to expect at these other places could be good could be bad one thing i can say about chick-fil-a i don't personally i have never had a bad experience at any location ever i've never had one bad meal i've never had my food be cold i've never had none of that it's always consistent it's all they are faithful at every location to hold the standard to the place where they are supposed to be holding it. And, you know, I'm sure their customer satisfaction survey is, you know, also, I didn't look at those statistics, but I'm sure if you did the study on that, I'm sure they'd be through the roof above everybody else because they're extremely consistent everywhere I go. You know, there's some places you can go with McDonald's or others that the the Big Mac is not the same. The cheeseburgers the fries are not the same the when you go to chick-fil-a the nuggets are the same everywhere you go the sandwiches are the same the fries are the same everything is the same wherever you go consistency across the board and that is a biblical principle faithfulness is a biblical principle in fact it is a fruit of the spirit and people forget this faithfulness is a fruit of the spirit something that God calls us as believers to operate in constantly. Let me read you a verse of scripture from Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 13. The Bible says, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Verse 12. And if you're not faithful with other people's things, Why should you be trusted with things of your own? Let me stop there. If you're not faithful with other people's things, why would you be trusted with things of your own? If you're working, for example, if you're working for a corporation and you one day want to own your own business, the Bible is saying here, if you wouldn't be faithful doing things that you were hired to do for the corporation you work for, Why would you ever be trusted with things of your own? If you can't even be faithful to be on time to work at the company you work for now, if you can't be trusted to have uh, an excellent uh, attitude and, and work ethic for the company you're with now, why would God ever promote you to give you your own company if you can't even be faithful where you are now? Let me go a step further for those that are in the ministry. If you who are listening to the podcast are serving another man's ministry today, If you're on staff at a church as an associate, if you're a worship leader on staff at a church, if you're a children's pastor, a youth pastor, and you're not even faithful in that man's ministry, what would, what would cause God to ever give you your own ministry? You know, if you're using the ministry that you're currently working for as a stepping stone to get to where you're going, your heart is wrong. If you're, if you're just using it for opportunities and to become known and to get famous so that you can one day just go get your own ministry, you've missed it. You've missed the mark that you're to work to be faithful with other people's vision, with other people's calling. And when God sees you faithful to serve another man's vision and serve another man's calling, he can then open up the windows of heaven and give you your own calling and your own vision. Here's something uh, that you need to think about. Very powerful um, example in the Bible. We know about Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. I've mentioned this uh, previously in, in our podcasts about impartation. If you want to go back and listen to the episode entitled How to Go Further Faster, you'll hear more about impartation. But I want to just make one point about the lives of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was a master prophet. And Elisha was his servant. But Elisha wasn't the only prophet in training in the in the land. There were whole schools of prophets, according to the Bible. We know of three cities where they were located, Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho. Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho. Schools of the prophets. And these men would be called sons of the prophets. 
If you read in scripture, it was founded by Samuel. So Elijah was a master prophet and there were all these other prophets, but Elisha was the only one who was hungry enough to receive what Elijah had to stay with him faithfully and to never leave him and to study all that he did and to serve him with all that he had. And the Bible says that there came a time when Elijah said, what would you have me to do for you? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And he said, if you see me when I go. Now, that's this is directly correlated to what we're talking about here in point number one, consistency or faithfulness. If you see me when I go, that means that if Elisha was going to see Elijah when he left the earth, he was going to have to be faithful to stay with him until the moment God took him into heaven. That means that he couldn't treat serving Elijah like a hobby. He couldn't treat it like a part-time job. He couldn't be leaving all the time and going to do his own thing. He had to be faithful and consistent to serve the one. Understand, this was the vision God had given Elijah, not Elisha. Elisha didn't have his own personal vision yet. He, he didn't become the one that was the front runner yet. He was just serving the one who had a vision. And the Bible says in Luke 16, 12, if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? There came a time, and notice this, that Elisha was given opportunities to become unfaithful. In fact, Elijah himself tested him just to see where his faithfulness was, just to see where his consistency was. Elijah said, hey, listen, I got to keep going on to another city. Why don't you go ahead and stay here? You know, he tested him three times, you know, uh, Gilgal to Bethel, Bethel to Jericho. And he said, you know, I got to go somewhere else, Elisha. Why don't you go ahead and stay here? And Elisha passed the test of consistency every single time, which qualified him to level up. It qualified him to have explosive growth like we're talking about today. He had explosive, and I'm going to show you that in a minute, had explosive growth. So what happened was every time he was tested, Elijah, I'm leaving, you know, stay here. No, no, no. He said, as the Lord, my God liveth and as you live, I will not leave you. What he was saying, I'll not stop being faithful to what I've been called to do for you. I'll not stop being consistent in serving you because it's my call right now. And I have a desire to go higher, but the only way I'm going to get there is by serving you. And finally, there came a time where they crossed the Jordan River and Elijah was taken into heaven by a whirlwind and a chariots of fire. And the Bible says that he dropped his mantle. Elisha picked it up, went back to the Jordan said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Smote the water, the waters parted, and he came back across. Now, I want you to see this. This was not like some slow, gradual transition to where Elisha, you know, after 10 years after Elijah was taken into heaven, he finally got what he wanted to receive. It was a transition from heaven. No, no, no. Explosive growth. And the Bible says that the moment he came back across the Jordan River, immediately the sons of the prophets who had previously mocked him for his perseverance, they looked at him from far away. The Bible says they weren't right next to him. They looked at him from far away and were able to immediately see surely the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. He did not slowly level up, but there was an explosive growth that came onto Elisha's life from his faithfulness and his consistency to serve another man's vision. And that's what I'm encouraging you. doesn't matter if you're in business and you're working for a company and would one day like to be leveled up or have your own company. If you're in the ministry and you're serving somebody else, whatever it might be, be faithful with someone else's vision and God will trust you at some point with your own. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 25 uh, and verse 23. The Bible says, and this is by the way, the parable of the talents, his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things and now I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of of the Lord. 
Of course, a quick overview of the parable of the talents. A master was leaving town, gave one of his servants five talents. One got two and one got one. The one that had five invested it and turned it into 10. The one who had two invested it, turned it into four. And the one who had one buried it in the ground and gave it back the same way he got it from the master. And the master called him wicked and lazy and had him cast into outer darkness. But to the ones who uh, it com- continued to level up the, the gifts and talents and be faithful with what he'd given them, he said, you've been faithful over a little things or a few things. Now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Do you see this? Explosive growth. Because notice he didn't say you've been faithful over a little. Now I'll make you faithful over a lot. He said, you've been faithful over a little and I'll make you ruler over a lot. So that means not only do you increase, you also get promoted. Because if you if you were only going to be faithful over a lot, that meant that you would just increase. But now he's saying, because you'll be ruler, that means you'll be ruling the ones who are faithful over a lot. It's not just an increase, it's a promotion. It's explosive growth from consistency and faithfulness. And that's what the Bible teaches. He said, now now here's, a, here's something that nobody seems to be able to understand. Because for some reason, people think that the kingdom of God is like a socialist system where God gives an equal distribution of spiritual wealth. And that's not the scripture. God bases what he gives you on dedication. After salvation, let me just say this. God gave Jesus to the world, not because of anything we did, but because of his sovereign grace. But after that, Old Testament and New, everything God does in us and through us and for us is based on what we do in response to his word and instruction. It's called covenant. Covenant has two sides. A promise has one side. A promise says, no matter what you're doing tomorrow, I'm going to be at your house and I'll cut your grass for you. That's a promise. Nothing the other person's required to do because the other person promised to cut the grass. But a covenant says, if you'll pay me $20, I'll be at your house tomorrow at one to cut your grass. Now both parties have responsibility. The one is required to pay $20. And if that's done, then the other party will show up and cut the grass. So if it's not done, then the other party is not required to show up and cut the grass. Same with God. He said throughout his entire word that if we'd be obedient and willing, that's Isaiah 1, we'll eat the good of the land. Deuteronomy 28, if you obey all that I command you to do this day, I'll set you on high above all the nations of the world. There are two sides to a covenant. And understand that God doesn't run a socialist system. He runs a theocracy. And he's the one who gives promotion according to Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south. It comes from the Lord. And he decides who will rise and who will fall. How does he decide that? By looking across the world and seeing who will obey his commands. And notice this, because it's not a socialist system, Matthew 25, 28, and 29 ends like this. He said to the one who had one who buried it in the ground, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. Now people say, that's unfair. There's no way you should do that. He already has 10 and the other guy only has one. You should actually take five from the other guy and distribute it to the one who doesn't have that much. No, that's not how God works. God doesn't do that because I want you to hear something very interesting. At the beginning of this parable in Matthew 25, how in the world do you think the master decided to give one of his servants five, the other one got two, and the other one got one? It was based upon their previous abilities. He didn't just randomly choose to give one five, one two, and one one. He looked at their previous dedication and ability and gave them their gifts and talents based upon what they had done for him in the past. And after they had performed again, he decided to take another step and said, take this one that has one, take it away from him and give it to the one who has 10. And the verse 29 is very clear. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who doesn't have, even what he does have will be taken away from him. So notice this. God looks at how faithful you are and how consistent you are with what he's put in your hand and into your life and into your spirit. 
He looks at what he's blessed you with, the gift and the calling that he's placed upon your life. And depending upon how you respond with what he's given you determines whether or not he'll give you more and whether or not you'll have an abundance. So if you want explosive growth, point number one, you've got to learn consistency and faithfulness are key to receiving from the Lord. Because you can't treat what he's called you to do like a hobby, a part-time job. No, it has got to be, your gift and calling have got to be your life. You've got to give everything you've got to that purpose. And when God sees that kind of diligence, then he brings promotion and, and increase to your life. So number one, consistency. Number two is kindness. And we could describe this too as love. And meekness, because without humility, there's no kindness. I've never seen proud people that are arrogant, uh, you know, people. I've never seen them just being kind to everybody. It takes humility and meekness to be kind, without question. It takes humility and meekness to be kind to others. People that are proud, the arrogant, they're short with others. They're condescending to others. You know, they have no patience for others. Everything's got to be focused on them. But if you're going to see explosive growth in your life, in your ministry, whatever it is, kindness is a must. Love, humility, it's a must. That's number two. Listen to this. uh, This blew my mind. I was reading the report. According to that uh, QSR report I was referencing, compared to 15 other fast food chains, Chick-fil-A was voted the most polite chain in the world. And the most likely to say please and thank you. And of course, the thing they're famous for saying all the time, my pleasure. No question. They're voted the most polite chain of any of them. People love going there. I've never had a, you know what? That's another thing. Going to these these, uh, Chick-fil-A's, I've never had a, a bad experience with an employee. Not once. I've never had somebody throw me an attitude at the cash register. I've never had somebody give me a, you know, I've been in some restaurants. They're like mad you came in. I can't understand that. It's like, doesn't your chain want to make money? You know, you come in like an hour before closing, an hour, and people start rolling their eyes. Why? Because they're bums. They're lazy. They just want to go home. They're treating it. That's why That's why people, you know, end up in the places where there's no quality and no consistency because you've got people working that there's not a culture of excellence and stuff. So- what happens? You come in an hour before they're closing and they start rolling their eyes and, oh, turn the fryers back on. We got more people. Didn't expect people coming in. How, yeah, what can I get you? You know, like throw an attitude at you. I've never had that at any Chick-fil-A. I've never had somebody yell at me, scream at me, speak down to me. I've never had anybody roll their eyes at me. All I've ever had or experienced at any Chick-fil-A is people being kind, polite, people that were overly helpful. I've had people, they're not even required to do it. I've had people come, you know, and, uh, and, and literally clean up what, you know, after me. And I'm not even asking. It's like, I was getting ready to do it myself. And people go, no, 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 I got that. Please just have a great day. We'll take care of the table. You know, people stopping by to see if you have everything you need. I've, you know, going out of their own way, if they screw something up, not only do they replace it, but giving you extra things for free. Why? Because they're more interested in the fact that you experience the kindness, love, and meekness of Chick-fil-A than whether they save, you know, $3.35 on giving you, you know, another uh, Chick-fil-A sandwich because they burnt the first one or whatever it might be, which they don't even do that. So, you know, blows your mind. But if they say they gave you the wrong thing or something like that, they work hard with a kind spirit to make it right because meekness is the prerequisite for greatness. Humility is the prerequisite for greatness. If you want to see explosive growth in your ministry, in your life, in your business, you've got to employ kindness, love, meekness. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So understand this, pride is the prerequisite for destruction. If you want to ensure that your business or your ministry will be be destroyed and will fail, just continue to operate in pride. 
just continue to be proud, arrogant, haughty. The Bible says it is a, without question, it is, it is a promise from God that you'll fail. It is a promise from God that you'll be destroyed. That's what caused Lucifer to be destroyed. Pride crept in and he said, I will be like the most high God and tried to take God's place through pride. Pride is demonic. It is demonic. It brings destruction in every area of life. It goes before destruction. James chapter four and verse six, listen to this. The Bible says, God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud and gives more grace to the humble. He opposes, he sets himself against the proud. He turns his back on the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. I want to, I want to kind of flip a scripture on you and, and just to see for you to see how serious of a thing this is. The Bible says God opposes the proud. So if he's, if God's your opponent, (laughs) you're in big trouble because Paul said it this way to the church in Rome. He said, if God is for us, tell me who can be against us. So let me flip that on you uh, to show you how dangerous it is to be proud. If God's against you, who can be for you? Think about that. If God's against you, who can be for you? It doesn't matter if every army in the world is backing you. If every government on the planet is backing you. If God's against you, you will lose. You know, think about it from the Old Testament context when King Sennacherib came against King Hezekiah and surrounded the city with 185,000 soldiers and began to mock God and said, we're going to take you captive and your women and children will be our slaves. We're going to kill you and tear down your temples and your altars. And King Hezekiah said, God, they're talking about you. Answer, Answer my prayer and let them know how powerful you are. And the Bible says in the nighttime, God sent down one angel, just one, and killed 185,000 soldiers in one night. If God's against you, who can be for you? doesn't matter who backs you. And that's why it's so dangerous to involve yourself in pride, because God opposes the proud, sets himself against the proud, but gives more grace more ability, more efficiency, more might to the humble. God gets behind those that are humble. He supports those that are humble. It goes further than that. When you're humble, you know, let me just say, Moses, according to scripture, Moses was the most humble man in the entire world. Listen to Numbers chapter 12 and verse three. The Bible says, now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on the earth. Well, how did that affect Moses' life? How did that humility play out in Moses' life? Well, look at Exodus chapter 11 and verse three. The Bible says, now the Lord had caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the people of Israel, and Moses was considered a very great man in the land of Egypt, respected by Pharaoh's officials and the Egyptian people alike. God gave Moses favor in the greatest kingdom on the earth. In fact, you begin to understand Moses, other than Pharaoh, may have been the greatest man in all of the kingdom of that time. And why is that? Because the Bible tells us clearly the Lord caused not notice this. It wasn't random. The Egyptians just didn't start liking Moses because he was a good guy. No, the Lord reached out his hand and caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the people of Israel and Moses to become great. God did that. Why did he do it? Because Moses was more humble than any other person on the earth. And and we can see that your humility is directly connected to your supernatural inheritance. Jesus is the one that taught this in Matthew chapter five and verse five. Listen to this. God blesses 
those who are humble and they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those that are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. Your inheritance is directly connected to your meekness and humility. Pride is a killer. And if you want to be exalted by God, who, by the way, is the only one that can exalt you, promotion only comes from the Lord, then you've got to make up your mind. Today, I'm ejecting all pride, all arrogance from my life. I refuse to allow myself to be proud and as a result, be destroyed. I refuse to allow myself to be arrogant and as a result, have God become my opponent and somebody who's opposing me. Because let me tell you, once that begins to happen, your destruction's already a sealed deal. The moment God becomes your enemy, that's uh, what a foolish thing to make God your enemy by the way you live your life. Because if God's for you, who can be against you? That's the flip side as what Paul told the Roman church. He said, it doesn't matter who opposes you. If God's on your side, who can be against you? You know, tell me this. If you had an entire government after you and you were running and on the run and you came to the ocean, what man that you could have, you know, who on LinkedIn could you connect with? What Facebook friend? you know, that you can connect with that can come down to where you are and make sure that the ocean or the sea parts for you so that you can get away from an entire government, an entire military. And then when the military comes in into the uh, sea after you, lets the waters fall back down and drowns every single one of them and make sure that your enemies are completely destroyed. There's no government that can do that. There's no man that can do that. There's no corporation that can do that. The God that you serve is the only one that can do those types of supernatural things to set you head and shoulders above the rest. And the key to unlocking his hand of blessing and inheritance is meekness and humility, kindness, love, kindness and love. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. Love, and here's why, by the way, is because anywhere love is absent, God is absent. Because the Bible tells us God is love. God is love. And so love has to be present for God's promotion to be present. Number three, let's jump in. The third third thing that will cause explosive growth in your ministry, your life, your business, is quality or excellence. Quality. So number one, consistency. Number two, kindness. Number three, quality. Excellence. I want you to think about this. People cut corners all the time just to save time or you know whatever it might be. I was reading this and it blew my mind. I didn't know this about them. Every Chick-fil-A site is responsible to make their own pickles from scratch. You know, they could easily put pickles, you know, on a truck and ship them across the country to all the different sites, you know. But every single site is responsible to make their own pickles from scratch, which takes three days. They have to brine for three days. You know, how much easier would it be to just have them made in mass? I mean, that 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 would that would be so much easier. And then truck them to the locations. But they do every, every single one does their own. Why? Just another step towards excellence and quality. Another step towards excellence and quality. And it's very interesting to me. You know, there are, there are shortcuts that people can take to save time, you know, because they're lazy. But God's looking for excellent people. We're a called out people. We're a, the Bible says we're a peculiar people that we're not supposed to be like everybody else. You know, if you're a Christian, that's why I laugh and get ticked off when I see like Christian businesses, you know, that and when I'm not making fun of, you know, what I'm, what I'm trying to show you is like people think that they're the re, the way that they're going to get a lot of business is just by making their business a Christian business rather than being Christians who are in business. You know, people think, you know, I, I've mocked it before and I think it's so stupid that like, you don't have to tell everybody, 
you know, cause look, cause here's the deal. A business can't be a Christian. <laughs> Only a person can be a Christian, a business, a corporation can't get saved. Jesus didn't shed his blood for corporations. He shed him for, <laughs> shed his blood for individuals. So, you know, if you've started Jehovah Jireh landscaping, because you think, oh, now what I'll do is I'll play, I'll play on the hearts of every Christian person that needs landscaping and I'll get them to choose me over every landscaping business because they're Christians and I'm a Christian and we have our little, you know, click, you know, like, like you're some kind of secret society and I got to choose you because we're both Christians. And then, and then as a result, you know, what ends up happening is many times, and I've seen it firsthand, you know, people do that, but, and they think they're going to get business just because they're a Christian, but their business is horrible. Their, their quality is horrible. You know, I'm not going to hire, I'm going to be very honest with you about this. I'm not going to hire somebody to do work for me just because they're a Christian. If I can find somebody else that's going to do it at a much higher level for the same price, why would I do that? That's stupid. I would, I would hire a sinner who's going to be excellent over a Christian that's going to be a lazy bum and just try to get business by the fact that they are a Christian, that's that's reprehensible. That's something that should never take place. As a Christian, you should be the most excellent of anybody. If you're a follower of God, you should be the most excellent of anybody. That's, that's what we learn, you know, if you read the story um, of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't the only young men in the kingdom called into the king's court. There were all kinds of young men that were called from all over to come. The most excellent men uh, of, of the land, the cream of the crop, got called into the king's court to be servants of the king uh, and to be you know, trained up or squired by the king's men. And uh, they, they all got put on a specific diet. And uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we're going to honor our God. We're going we're gonna to keep a diet that's, that's honorable to our God. We're not going to go on the king's diet and everything. And at the end of this test period, let's see who's more excellent. And they honored God diligently. I mean, you look at the lives of those four men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know what kind of lives they lived. You know, following God was not their hobby. It wasn't a part-time job. They pushed for excellence even in their life for God. Daniel prayed three times a day openly and publicly even after the law was passed to make that illegal. You know, crooked men went to the king and played on his pride and said, no, if anyone in the land's praying, they should only be praying to you, O king. He said, yeah, great idea. Let's make it a law. And not even thinking about the fact that Daniel prayed to his God. And even after it was a law, Daniel had such excellence and quality control in his life with God. He said, I don't care if it's a law or not. I'm going to pray like I've always been doing three times a day. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, same thing. When the king said, no, I'm going to be the one that's worshipped. I'm setting up my statue. When the music plays, everyone bowed to my likeness and to my image. And an entire nation bowed down and three young men who were followers of God, remained standing. And at the threat of torturous death, being thrown into a furnace, said, I don't care if you throw us in or not. We love it. So you look at these guys' lives. It's not like they were pushovers. These guys were bold. And, and when the Bible says when the test period was over, that Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel were head and shoulders above the rest that their excellence was far greater than all those other young men. God highlighted their lives in the eyes of the king. In fact, the Bible says they were loved. You know, it's very interesting to me that this is how much excellence and favor they had with the king because of their, uh, because of their quality and excellence from God is that they both, all four of them were loved so much by the king. You know, like when, when, the king found out what had happened with Daniel. He couldn't, like he was distraught, the Bible says. He, he, he didn't realize when he signed those documents to make it a law that he'd be the only one that could be prayed to. He wasn't thinking of Daniel, who he loved. And when he found out what happened, he was freaked out, couldn't sleep all night. And was, you know, when Daniel got thrown into the lion's den, he was up. Wondering. And at first thing in the morning, who was there to check, it out, check him out? The king. Oh, is he dead? 
I can't believe this. Rolled, you know, looked into the pit. And guess what? God had preserved Daniel. He was alive. What's the first thing the king did? Threw those other men into the pit for making him do that as a manipulative trick to kill one that he loved, who is Daniel. Notice God gave Daniel so much favor with the king that even when the king found out that he was breaking the law, you know, the king still was freaked out that he might be dead. And all of his enemies that did that were put to death for doing that to Daniel. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bible says they got so much favor with the king that any if it was anybody else, think about this, if it was anybody else in the kingdom that had refused to bow to the statue of the king, they'd have just been put to death. But it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who already had favor with the king that had already been highlighted by God that when they disobeyed directly, rebelled against the king's command to worship his statue, the king said, no, no, something's wrong here. Bring them in. I need to talk to them. I know they didn't understand. He gave them the benefit of the doubt. What king does that? When he pronounces an edict, it's followed at the penalty of death. He said, no, 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 I need to talk to those guys because I know them. They're good guys. You know, they're head and shoulders above everybody else in my kingdom. You know, I I love these guys. Bring them in. He said, you must not have understood. I don't think you guys understood the command. You know, he's giving these guys the benefit of the doubt, a second chance. You know, all you got to do, all you had to do was, what I was saying was bow. You know, when you hear the music, we bow. And then they just told him flat out, we're not bowing to you or anybody else. We serve God, which ticked him off. But notice they had enough favor. They were even given a second chance when they purposely rebelled against the king. Why? They had already been given excellence by God, quality by God. Notice this. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse 29, do you see a man who excels or is excellent in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Notice what God's saying here, that somebody who is diligent, who excels in what they're called to do, it ensures they will have explosive growth and promotion. They'll not just be serving some no-name somebody somewhere and out in the shadows. God said when there's somebody who excels in their gift, who excels, who's excellent in what they're doing, they will stand before kings. You know what that means? They'll be brought to prominence. They'll be brought into prominence because of their excellence. I mean, that's what's happened. I mean, look at look at Chick-fil-A. They, they, obviously, their goal is not be open as long as everybody else is open because they're they're closed for an entire day and they don't have any 24-hour stores. Notice that they stay true to their own principles to honor God on the Lord's day and stay true to excellence. But look what's happened. Even with the short time that they're open uh, compared to everybody else, they have no 24-hour stores, six days a week instead of seven, that they're selling four times more than their direct competitor and double the next person underneath them double. How do you do that when you're not even open as long? It's because when you have somebody that excels in their gift, in their talent, that they'll be brought to prominence, brought to prominence. And God, listen, no matter what we're called to do, we're called to do it with excellence. Psalm 33 and verse three is clear. The Bible says, sing a new song of praise to God, play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. Notice that if you're doing something for God, it's not, you're not called to do it just any way you feel to do it. Well, you know, God knows I didn't have to. That's why I used to get ticked off. I'd sit, I've been in church. I've been in probably, you know, who knows, tens of thousands of church services and the pastor will call somebody up. Sister so-and-so is coming now to sing a special and it never fails. You get the same speech from every person that gets up, you know, that's unprepared. Hallelujah. You you know, y'all just pray for me uh, as I minister this song. I didn't get a chance to practice this week and pastor asked me last minute, you know, I'm going to sing this song and the devil's been attacking my vocal cords all day. Hallelujah. But I want you to just don't listen to my voice, listen to the words. That's just your way of saying, this is going to suck. Bear with me. And it, 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 listen, it's always true. 
We have to sit there through somebody's off-key solo because they won't, they take their gift lightly. It's like, I always wondered to myself, like, what in the heck were you doing in a 168-hour week that you couldn't have spent one or two of those hours practicing? Like, literally, did you have to have the little insert from the CD case on the pulpit so that you could remember the song, the words to the song that's a special you're going to sing? Did you really need to look at the lyrics? What were you doing? Is God so minimal in your life that what you're called to do for him and your gift and your talent was not even worthy of taking an hour or two in a 168-hour week to perfect and become skillful at the thing that he's anointed you to do? I mean, what a slap in the face to God that he's given you a talent and a gift and an ability and then you say, you know what, although he's given me that, you know, I just didn't really have time to to uh, focus on my gift, didn't really have time to practice, didn't really have, you know, so I'm just going to give God a, you know, a half-hearted attempt at worship and praise. What a slap in the face. Listen, if you were called to go to some inaugural ball for a president and sing a special or you know or if you if they asked you to sing the 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 national anthem at the world series you're not going to just show up you know with sweatpants on it's like look it's been a rough week guys and you know i had to work a lot my kids had had like you know a, a tickle in their throat a lot of coughing going on in our house this week and you know i just i bear can you imagine standing up at, the, at an inaugural ball or or you know at the world series and and then taking the mic and be like y'all just pray for me you know, I, I hadn't had time to practice this this week. And, you know, the devil's been after me all week. And y'all know how it is. Amen. You know, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But listen, don't listen to my voice. Just listen to the words of this song. They're going to throw you out. And you'd never rise to that place anyway. No, nobody would. You would never get to that level where they'd ask you to do an inaugural ball or a World Series if you didn't already operate in excellence. Because that's what Proverbs twenty two twenty nine is saying. If you see a man who excels in his work, he'll not. He'll stand before kings, not mere men. So, quality and excellence ensure that you have explosive growth in your life, ministry, gift, and calling. Listen to Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So what is it? Paul wrote to the Colossians and said, no matter what you're doing, do it as though you're doing it for the Lord. If you're working, listen, if you're working at a company, and you're stealing from them because you show up 15 minutes late every single day, you know, you're stealing from your company because they're paying you for 40 hours a week. You know, you take 15 minutes from them every single day of the five-day week, and you've stolen an hour and 15 minutes. So you've only served 38 hours and 45 minutes of the 40 they've paid you for. You've stolen an hour and 15 minutes wages from that corporation. You know, he said, man, that's pretty harsh. No, no, no. It's excellence. It's excellence. People always want to do the bare minimum and expect to get the promotion. Then they're mad when their boss doesn't give them a raise. I've been working here 30 years. Yeah, you've been working here half-heartedly, showing up late, not coming in, not calling when you don't come in so that they can prepare to have somebody there to be a help. See, the Bible teaches this, whatever you're doing, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Treat it like you're working for Jesus Christ himself. Treat it like your manager is Christ himself. If you're on staff in a ministry, you treat it like you're working directly for Jesus Christ because you are. It's not the, it's not your pastor you're working for. It, it's not the evangelist you're working for. It's not the, what whoever's running it, nonprofit, whatever. It is Christ himself you're working for. And so whatever you're doing, you're doing it as unto him. And quality and excellence are a key to explosive growth until you become excellent. See, God couldn't take David from lions and bears to Goliath until he'd become excellent in doing what he'd been called to do at that level. And until you are excellent at your current level, you cannot go to the next level. 
So number one, consistency. Number two, kindness. Number three, quality. And finally, number four, covenant. Put God first in everything you do. You know, the sign of that Chick-fil-A, they're closed on Sunday. It's the Lord's day. They're not going to be open for it. They don't care. I'm sure. You, are you kidding me? Do you think you think there's not people in the corporate world that are you know advisors? You don't think Chick Fil A, as a corporation, has financial advisors that come to them and say, "Listen, do you know how much money you could make extra if you were open on Sundays? Do you not realize that Christians are probably thinking about you when they get out of church?" And that you'd be the most slammed place on a Sunday afternoon if you would just open. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, think of it this way. You're uh, you're serving God's people on Sunday. Think of it that way, that you're being a blessing to God. I'm sure there's advisors that told said stuff like that. You know, think of it this way. You know, you could honor, you could give extra some extra money to charities and honor God that way. And they said, no, we're not going to be open on Sunday. We're honoring the Lord on the Lord's day. You think people didn't tell them they could do that? Of course they did. But they stayed true to honoring God or the principle that they felt was a key to honor God in their business. Stayed closed. Oh, you know what? Just stay, you know, and then you could stay open 24 hours. No, we're doing it the way we feel to do it. And they're going to honor God and put him first. When you put God first, it is a foundational key that ensures God will raise you up. Because remember this, God puts you where you put him. It's still true in the New Testament, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. What things is Jesus talking about in Matthew chapter 6? What to wear, what to eat, where to live. All these things, natural things that are provisions things that other people are dying to get and they're working three jobs to get and wishing they could have and camping out outside the Apple store to make sure they get a hold of for the first time. What is it? All the things that others are trying so hard to get. God said, if you just seek me first and live righteously, all these other things, you won't have to chase them. They'll chase you. Putting God first ensures that God will be your source. And God's the one who gives the increase. Don't forget who you serve. You serve Jehovah Jireh, who is the provider. Don't forget you're serving El Shaddai, who is the all-sufficient one. He's the Lord, your shepherd. You will not want or lack anything because you serve him faithfully. Put God first. And I'm telling you, these four things will cause you to have explosive growth in your personal life, in your ministry, in your business, whatever it is you're doing. Consistency, faithfulness, kindness, love and meekness, quality, excellence, and covenant, putting God first. I wanna pray for every person because understand this, more than ever before, we need excellent people. We need diligent people that are gonna go after it with everything they have. You say, well, I'm not really called to be in the ministry. You know, I'm just working in business. But listen, you're still called to do things for God. You're still in ministry in a sense because as a believer, every one of us is called to the Great Commission. And if you're working in a a job for a, a business corporation, have your own job, then listen, one of the things you're to be doing is to be building wealth for the kingdom of God. You're sowing and your giving pushes the kingdom of God forward. And that's what you're called to do. So you've got to do it with all excellence and expect God for explosive growth so that you can continue to fulfill the call that's upon your life and to expand the kingdom. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every man and every woman listening to this episode today. I pray in Jesus' name that you would give them a new desire, hunger, and a fire to be diligent to what they've been called to do, not to fall backwards. Father, if there's any pride that's tried to creep in and to cripple your people in their calling and their gifting, I I pray now, send the fire of God, burn it out of our lives, and let us be meek and humble people in the eyes of God and with others around us. I pray, Lord, that you give us a desire to excel and to develop in what you've called us to do. And we thank you that we'll always do everything as unto the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. We'll be the most excellent people in our ministries, at our jobs, in our families. 
We thank you, Lord, that you're empowering us to do that today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Listen, I want to say before we go, this is so, so awesome. Coming up on Wednesday, just two days away, Minister Jenya Jackson is joining me on the podcast for Worship Wednesday. We did a podcast entitled Five Practical Tips to Boldly Lead Others Where You've Never Been. You say, what what is that about? What we're dealing with on that is how as a leader do you lead people that are doing things you can't do. For example, if you're a praise and worship leader that doesn't play an instrument, but you're the head of the praise and worship department at your church, how do you lead other musicians if you don't play any instruments? If you're just a musician, how do you lead singers if you're not a singer? So we're, we're going to be dealing with how to lead as a leader people who have gifts and talents and skills that you don't personally have. How can you still responsibly and boldly lead them when you don't have the same skills that they have. You're not going to want to miss it. So this coming Worship Wednesday, jump back with us. I love you guys. Until next time, don't forget, goodness and mercy is following you for the rest of your life. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 